Welcome to the Money Maven Project Podcast. If you're here to learn how to obtain freedom over your time and money through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Create the life you want by living with intention and becoming a maven in mindset, money, and real estate. Now, here's your host, Justin Monk. Hey, this is Justin Monk with the Money Maven Project podcast. Welcome. Super excited this afternoon. We've got Casey Franchini on. Did I say that right? Yes, you sure did. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I'm real excited. Yeah, perfect. So super excited to hear your story. Why don't you start off by giving us kind of your background, how you got into real estate and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, like you said, my name is Casey Franchini, and I'm the founder of Brick by Brick Wealth. I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, that's where I spend a lot of my time. And I invest in rental properties. And um, now I make a passive second income with rental properties and it allows me to be a stay-at-home mom and not have to go get a job, a real job, you know? So that's been really amazing. And now I help teach other aspiring investors that they too can have passive income through rental properties and you don't have to quit your job. Um, you know, it just is a, a second way of life that, that you can have through rental properties. And a lot of people don't really understand the power of rental properties. I know my friends sure didn't until I explained it. And, and, you know, it's kind of sometimes real estate's in you or it's not. And some people just don't want to learn or it's just too, sounds too overwhelming. So, you know, that's when I took to Instagram to, I'm like, okay, well, my friends don't really care. Then I'm going to see who else does, you know, <laughs> but um, I got started in real estate a long time ago, actually. It was about 2007 when I got my real estate broker license in California. Um, I had was tired of driving an hour and a half to and from my nine to six job. And when the company um, went under from, for the owner's personal reasons, um, I thought that was time for me to make a change mm -hmm. and that I would now be able to think of something that I like to do that had to do with my passion because working every day was just kind of sucked. So I said, well, what's my passion? What do I love? You know, and I always loved houses. I loved real estate. I would go to open houses for fun on the weekends. I would go, you know, check out all the new builder homes that were being built, you know, up to an hour and a half away. Sometimes I'd go see them twice if there hadn't been any new ones in a couple of months. So I was like, well, I love real estate. So I decided to become an agent, but, um, you know, I look young and I really look young when I was younger. So it was really hard in Orange County to sell a million dollar house mm. when you look so, so little. So I had a hard time getting sellers. Um, but I found my niche with real estate investors because, you know, they'll let anyone help them find a house. So yeah. I became an agent, a buyer's agent for real estate investors. And at the time it was a market crash, you know, the great recession. And so I found a lot of um, mostly flips because people weren't buying rentals a lot in California at the time, <laughs> didn't make a lot of money. So yeah. uh, I was driving all over the place, the beach, the desert, um, Los Angeles, Inland Empire, um, scoping out all the houses and bringing good flips to my investor clients. And that's what got me excited about real estate. Cool. Awesome. So, so where did it, where did you start investing for yourself? Like, and, and what kind of pushed you to make that transition? Well, my husband got a job opportunity. You know, I feel like every Californian is 
I mean, anyways, in my experience, all my friends are looking for their way out. How do we get out of this place? We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to live here anymore. We love the weather and the no mosquitoes, but, yeah, yeah. you know, but there's, uh, it's too expensive and I'm tired of living with my mom when I'm 30, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we did the same thing and we would be on the couch at night with our glass of wine or our beer and we'd be looking up where we're going to move next. And yeah. so my husband got an amazing job opportunity in Memphis, Tennessee. And I was like, well, you don't get to pick everything, right? So <laughs> we moved out there. But before we moved, you know, me being involved with real estate, I, we, we well, actually, before we moved, we were looking at buying rental properties in um, Inland Empire, Fontana area. And we never... We made tons of offers, but never pulled the trigger. And so when I looked into Memphis, like, okay, we're going to move there. Of course, I look into what's for rent, you know, like what kind of properties could I buy for a rental? Yeah. And I thought like I was going to be rich. <laughs> you know, There's $10,000 houses all over the place. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. You know, we got money for this. Yeah. And then, you know, we moved here and I was like, no, we're not buying any of these houses. They are terrible, you know, no, not in this area. Yeah. So uh, we moved here and I, I was, um, you know, we moved here with a two-year-old, a cat and a three-week-old. We didn't know anybody. And I built my community around me, volunteering for the city and my neighborhood and try to make friends. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was, you know, having that postpartum depression and then not having friends and family by me. And mm. I said, I got to do something, you know, like yeah. I went to school, I have my degree, but my mind is like kind of gone now. I don't feel like I'm worth anything. You know, I'm just this mom now, which is great. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to love just being a mom. But like, I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't grown up to just be a mom. Like, this isn't the 1920s. You know, like, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to be proud of myself. I wanted that too. You know, my husband had success and he was proud of himself. Well, I didn't real feel very, very proud. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I need to buy, I want to buy rental property, but we put a lot of money into our primary residence and it was a fixer that we like to fix stuff up. We do all our own rehabs. And so it was pricey. You know, we bought a nice big house and needed a lot of stuff. That's when you realize, oh, the more square footage, the more doorknobs, the more paint you need, the more hinges, the more faucets. (laughs) So, you know, we learned about that. Yeah. So it was a quite a pretty penny and it's, it's, you know, been here eight years and we're still fixing it up. Matter of fact, we just decided to do our kitchen finally after eight years. It's a disaster. Um, But so I said, okay, well, we need some money and I wasn't going to let anything get in my way. And I was tired of feeling depressed. I was tired of feeling like um, there's nothing for me here. I hate this place. And you know, even though I try to make my community, I just still wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling acceptance, really. I wasn't feeling like I was making anything of myself. So I had friends and I started, you know, things in the neighborhood and clubs and things, but just wasn't enough. Like I needed to make money. Like, you know, we, we, we are, we grow up, go to school to make money. Like that's the whole point of life, you know, <laughs> sad, but so um, I was like, okay, well, what can I do? You know, we don't have money for a down payment for a rental property right now because we just spent it all on our house. So what can we do? And I thought, well, I don't have a lot of time, but I have time. I'm going to make time. So I decided that I was going to start an Etsy business. And I was going to make crafts, selling handmade crafts during my kids' naps and on the weekends and after my husband got home from work. And I did that for two years. And I saved up enough money, 20000 or so, to put down on our first rental property. And that is when I said, 
all right, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. You can't have any excuse. I had no help. You know, my mother-in-law lives here now by us, but she was in California at the time for the first few years that we lived here. Yeah. So we had no help. I was barely just making friends and I had no support. My husband was gone at a brand new job that we moved across the country for. So, you know, he's working late, working good hours because he wants to do a good job. Yeah. So, you know, it was me all alone holding down the fort in a fixer upper house. And I still made time to make my little crafts and sell them online. And I would sell them locally on Facebook too. I did whatever I could do. And from there, you know, it, it just grew. And, you know, I'm not saying we don't have tons of properties, but we have some properties now. And now I feel proud of myself. Now, because I worked so hard and took that first step and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to put myself down. I can do whatever I want to do as long as I put my mind to it. And I did. And, you know, I stopped actually last year in my Etsy business. I don't do it anymore. And now I focus on helping other families, moms, dads, people that are just like me realize that they don't have to be in that same situation that I was in. Just a little bit of save money. You know, a lot of people work so hard and they have a W-2 job. They put it in savings that makes them zero dollars. Well, guess what? Take your 20 or 30,000, put it into a rental property and make four to 600 a month positive cash flow and watch that change your life. Yeah. So that's what I do now is I help other people do that. That's awesome. And so when you first got to Memphis, you're like, ah, we're not buying any of these houses. Did you end up buying one in, in a nicer area of Memphis or where did you end? Like, where do you invest? Yes. So it's, just yeah. So we do invest in Memphis. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think our farthest house is like 20 minutes or so it's in the 20 minutes. Yeah. And, but you know, you get excited about the cheap houses uh, until you see them. Cause you know, living in Southern California, even some parts of LA or maybe the desert, people could consider bad. But I've been to Compton and all those other places that are bad. There is nothing that there is no ghetto there like there is like in some areas of Memphis. Really? It was mind blowing. Hmm. And that's why those houses are $7,000, you know? And so you're like, no, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so are you just, is it, is it like areas with high crime or what are you running into in those lower, lower priced areas? Yeah. So areas with high crime and, you know, those types of tenants, they don't have a, um, you know, a big appreciation for other people and other people's things. And so the lower income properties that are, are, are you know, that sort of price range, they need constant uh, rehabs with every tenant turnover. Um, people don't have credit at all. Never mind bad credit. They don't even have credit. They don't have a bank account. They don't have, they bounce around from job to job or they do a lot of illegal stuff. So they don't care if they squat and stay. They don't care if you evict them. Like they know the system and they'll try and milk it for all that it's worth. Meanwhile, they'll steal all your appliances and things like that. So that's not everywhere, obviously, but that's some areas and that's the worst of the worst. And so I just said, well, that's not what I want to do. I want easy street, you know? So we invest in Memphis still. And honestly, speaking about easy street, it is street by street. The rental properties. I mean, you'll have one side of the street is a $400,000 house. And the other side is a hundred. And you're like, wait a minute, what? No. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy. It's not yeah. like in California where it's like, okay, the whole neighborhood's probably pretty good. Or most of the city, like 
is probably pretty good. Yeah. You can't really say that in Memphis. It's literally like street by street within neighborhoods. Yeah, that's interesting. I do most so, of my investing is in Ohio, uh, Cleveland area, mm-hmm. and they kind of have neighborhoods that I can pretty well chunk together and and make sense out of them. Um, and it's funny that you're. I did not know that you were in Memphis. I just barely started exploring. Uh, contacting agents out there to try and jump into the Memphis area. Um, so we might have to talk a little bit more offline and I can pick your brain a little sure. bit. But, yeah, but I'm seeing, I've seen just what you've seen. Like I'm having trouble making sense of, you know, where the, the nice areas are, but it sounds like it's really dependent on the street and the side of the street you are in and the school district or whatever it is mm-hmm. that's driving that. So for somebody that's exploring. It is. School districts are really big. Yeah. So somebody that's exploring getting into an out-of-state market, um, or or even if, if they lived in Memphis or wherever, how would you what how would you coach them in selecting the areas? Like what what would be the first steps in figuring out where they can buy? Well, geez, I do have a whole program based on that, and the whole of one of the, I have an entire module based on how to find your market because most of my students are from out of state. I mean, yeah. everyone lives in the nice, expensive areas, and they're just not conducive to rental properties. Right. So when I when people are trying to find their market, which to me is like the number one hurdle, is committing to a market because you know you're going to have that house forever. You know. 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, you're going to know that area inside and out, so you better like it. So I tell people, okay, well, the first thing that you do is find a landlord-friendly state. Um, I would not advise to go buy properties in California, you know, for rentals, um, that sort of thing. So first find one of those types of states. Um, Know what the property taxes are and how often that they get reassessed because that's a little hidden thing that people kind of forget about. You know what your property taxes are right away, but did you know that they get reassessed every X amount of years? Uh, which obviously can go down if the market goes down, but also that means they can go up and have frequently. So you kind of want to have enough cash flow cushion to be able to weather that um, and still make money, which is sometimes my concern about Texas, although I really want to invest there, but yeah. man, their taxes could go up every year. So yeah. I don't know, but I feel like it's like, the new California. So it's super popular and it's going to appreciate like crazy. So, okay. You know, pros and cons. Yeah. So then, so then it's like, okay, those things. So then once you kind of got like the state, basically those are state sort of deals. um, Then you really need to look at crimes in schools, crime rates in schools. So I just, you know, obviously you talk to your lender first step and find out what you qualify for, because what's the point of looking and spending and spinning your wheels if you don't qualify for anything. Mm-hmm. So first thing, always talk to a lender before you do anything. That way, if you're not prepared or you're not ready, you can get ready and get prepared in the next coming months while you're researching and learning your market. So that's really step one. But so then once you have those things narrowed down, then you, I open up, I like realtor.com is my favorite app. I'll go to realtor.com and I open the crime. I open the map and I hit the crime, crime section, created shaded section, the light to dark. It's like a reddish sort of brick brick color that they use. Trulia, I think, uses green. And so I'll narrow down the area by crime and what fits my price range. And then from there, I'll narrow down the school areas. And if some school zones are are rated better than others, obviously the better rated school zones likely have less, you know, less crime as well. You see the correlation. And then you just kind of niche down closer and closer and closer until you find, find your property. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's a very good breakdown of it. I would, 
I would, I would, I definitely agree with that process. And, and for somebody that's just wanting prior to all that, like if you need help just picking the state or a general market, like it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, like just Google it. Like there's, there's so many lists and so many forums about the, here's your top 10 list for the Burr method. Here's your top 10 list for the flip markets. Yeah. And that gives you a good start to at least start either selecting those markets or mirroring those or trying to find the next ones that are going to be like that. Then you can start drilling down and making sure that you're fine tuning the neighborhoods. And, and apparently in Memphis, you got to be on the right side of the street too. So um, exactly, that's, that's huge. And, and I guess, do you, well, you're, you're an agent, so you probably do, you can access MLS and all that, right. In, in Tennessee. Well, I'm not an agent in Tennessee anymore. Right. I'm not an agent in Tennessee. So I have my California broker license, which I still have. It's active. So I, yeah. and I keep it active and I do the continuing education so I can get referral fees and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Because that helps me when I buy my own properties. Um, I can give myself a referral fee from the commission. Um, yeah. I was all set up to take my license in Tennessee. I did everything and I even paid for the test and had a test date. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't think I need it. Like, I don't want it. You know, I feel like the only benefit for me to have my license out here is if I was flipping properties and I could say, if I was selling properties and then yeah, I could save sure. on commission because the buyers are free, buyer's agents are free. Mm-hmm. And that's really just less work I have to do. Just like yeah. let my agent write the offers. I just tell them what to do, yeah. you know, open the door for me. I mean, so I, I decided ah, I don't really want it right now. Yeah. And so my next, so yeah, the, the reason I asked that. So you're using an agent to uh probably validate some of these this data that you're putting together, making sure that they they agree with some of it. And then you're there, you're having them put together the offers and things like that for you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just let him. I mean I don't really have them validate anything other than if it's about a specific property. When it comes to my market, I'm the expert and I use my agent friend to open the door and sign the offer, you know, make the offer for me. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I do all my own research and everything like that. Sometimes I'll ask him, um, I'll ask him little things about the market. Like, Oh, are, you know, is there an MLS rental history for this area? Because some people will list their houses with a real estate agent. That's usually more common in higher end areas. Um, but I'll still ask every once in a while, is there a rental history in here? Like if I'm not familiar with the area, you know, yeah. and it's in maybe a new neighborhood that I'm in, then he can pull past MLS data to tell him, which I can't do on my own. So I'll have to do stuff like that. Perfect. Awesome. That yeah, This is awesome advice. I, I appreciate this. So um, for when you're buying these properties, are you putting uh, the full down payment down and just holding them? Or what's your method? Are you burying them? Are you you're not flipping them? What are you doing? You're just buy and hold or what's your strategy? We are. We are so risk averse. We just want to take our money and spend it wisely and save it wisely and have it grow wisely and and with the least amount of work possible. So we do. We save our 20% and we buy a property. We save our 20% and we buy a property. And unfortunately, we didn't get any last year. Um, It was coronavirus. That's when the market was just like soaring. And I was like, well, with the election, I don't know. Let's wait a little while. And then I was working hard with with my students in my program. So I was like, oh, I'll wait till 2021. So we have a little catching up to do this year. Yeah. Good. Awesome. So when you're, when you're coaching people, um, what are the common, what are the most common, like limiting beliefs that they come to the table with? Like what's the biggest thing that's holding them back usually as, as you're trying to get them started? Well, it all goes to me, no matter what 
the excuse is for not taking the first step, it's all about fear. It's all fear of failure. They, you, if you knew all the answers and you knew you'd succeed, you wouldn't be scared to do anything. So it's, to me, it's always fear, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of losing money, fear of not doing it right. And That's you, the overall theme. Yeah, I love that. And how do you help them overcome that? Like, what's your, what, what questions are you asking them and what are you, what are you teaching them to help them overcome that? Well, first with every student, no matter where they are with their experience. Now, I, I only like to take new um, newbies that don't have any properties. Um, some of my students have already had a property, but it's like turnkey and like they didn't do any work to like they don't know anything about it really. So I have some of those. But what I do is I, I start them off as they know nothing and we go through a six week intensive training program. So at the end, they feel like they're es- experts. Yeah. They have the confidence to make the decisions. And the whole program is from start to finish base. Like if you were to look for your market all the way to either hiring a property management company or landlording yourself, the course flows in order of the way you would actually go about getting a rental property. So really by like the fourth week of the program, because that's when the fifth week is like rehab, learning all about rehab and then learning all about management. Um, they're already out making offers because they feel so confident. So it's the lack of confidence, the fear of the unknown. But once you know the answers you're just, you could just take off then. Yeah. I love that. And so what, what do you say to the people that are like, I can do this on my own. I can read a book and I can do this on my own. You can, you totally can. I mean, information is out there. Go ahead. I mean, I'll tell you, I didn't have anybody to, to help me. Um, I, I had a mentor when I first moved here and I call him my mentor, but he was my my real estate agent's husband, who I knew owned rental properties, was my agent for my primary residence. Actually, it was the listing agent for the house that I bought. It was go. a little complicated. Yeah. Anyway, I reached out to them a few years later and said, hey, I know you own rental houses and I don't really know any good investor agents. Would you help me? So he mentored me through our first couple. But no, you can do it all yourself. You can watch all the podcasts, read all, you know, listen to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTube videos, read all the books and all that stuff. But how long is it going to take for you to take action? How long, what's the opportunity cost there of waiting and doing it all yourself? Plus, you know, you still might not make the right decisions. There's information overload out there. I feel like there's so many opinions. There's so many different ways to do things. Someone's going to say this and someone's going to say, no, that's wrong. And then you just get confused and say, oh, forget it. I give up. Um, and like how we said in California, we made several offers before we moved here. And I just found a box of offers in my attic that I went through the other day, 30 offers I found for properties that we had made for rentals in California. I forgot. I didn't even know we did that. Totally forgot. But guess what? You won't believe this, Justin. These houses were $170,000, $145,000 in Fontana at the time. And just for fun, because I had the contracts, you know, I looked them up. Guess what they are worth today? Four hundred some thousand dollars. I'm like, oh my god! Why didn't we do it? Why didn't we do it? Why don't we pull the trigger? I knew they would make money. I knew that they would cash flow. I did the math. Well, why didn't we? It's like thinking back. You know why we didn't? Because we were scared. Because we didn't have someone to say, just do it. It's okay. You're gonna make it. You're, you know, you're. You're going to make money. What are you scared of? Well, I was scared of the unknown. I was scared because I didn't know anyone who did rental properties except for my friend's grandmother who owned 10. And that's just all I heard from him. Otherwise, I knew no one in my life that ever owned a rental house. And I, I just was scared. And it was just too big of a risk to take without someone saying, do it. I have faith in you. You're making the right decision. So 
to me, that's what a coach, you know, mentor, whatever can provide for you is the push to say, yes, good idea. Do it. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I, I was the guy that said I could do it on my own. So I struggled through it for a long time, lost a little money on my first deal, like the whole thing, you know, and, and looking back, I know, I know that I would have been able to grow and get in faster if I would have had a mentor because a few things, right. They would have helped me get over that fear. And I self-sabotaged early on, like, well, the, you know, it's this color of paint. So I don't think that's a good deal. I'm out of here, you know, like, or whatever, like a little thing or yes, yeah. moisture in the basement and we don't know where it's coming from. So I'm not even going to make an offer, you know, or whatever. Like I would, I would always be looking for ways to get out because I knew that was a step into my uncomfortable zone or that's you know, right. out of the comfort place. And so I know that a, a mentor just saying, no, like, it's okay. Like, just do it. Just make the offer. So help a mentor can help you overcome that fear, which like you said, is one of the biggest things that gets people stuck. And the other thing is it's just super powerful to have somebody holding you accountable. So if you, yes. if you, if you got, if you know, if you have a call with your mentor and they're like, okay, well by this week, next week, let's have, let's have made three offers, you know, and the next week it's like the, the calls tomorrow and you're like, I haven't made any offers. You go make three offers just because you don't want to have to have that yep. conversation with your coach tomorrow. Like that is super powerful. That is so and, accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because uh, I had a, I had a mentor learning to uh, I'm getting to, I'm trying to get into multifamily syndicate multifamily deals. And so I had a mentor kind of walk me through some of that. And it was amazing how much I got more done in like three months than I had done in a year just because I had, I'm like, Oh crap, that calls in two days and they haven't done what I said I would do. And I would go do it. And so that will expedite the ramp up process or the learning process or just your, mm -hmm. your speed. It's just, it's like, just like going to the gym. Like, yes, you can, you know, you can YouTube the videos where it shows you how to do a workout or an exercise and go to the gym and do it. But there's a certain, there's a certain, um, there's some power in having somebody say, wait, you know, you only did seven reps. I bet you can do three more or whatever it is pushing you. Cause we're just so good at, Oh yeah, that hurts a little bit. I'm going to step out. You know, that's good. You know, but if you've got somebody there pushing you, pushing your limits a little bit, it's a whole different story. And obviously the results in the gym or in real life are going to be exponentially better. I know. I so. feel like if I would have had someone to help me back then, I would not have missed out. I mean, 30 properties. Okay. I put offers on at least 30. I mean, I had to have been more that my stack was huge. I'm now using it to crumble up for my fireplace to, <laughs> for paper, but because uh, the offers are so old, yeah. but it's like, if I would have had someone back then tell me, Casey, do it. Could you, I mean, hello, that's $200,000 in appreciation that I would have had yeah. plus cash flowing this whole time. Oh my God. Like, what was I thinking? You know, opportunity costs missed huge. Cause I didn't do that. I didn't know about them at the time or I probably would have done it. <laughs> yeah, no, I spent, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out my local market, um, which is way more expensive than, than like the Midwest, Ohio or wherever. And I just spent way more way time. I'm like, well, how may, how do I make these numbers work? I get not even close to the 1% rule on rent. And I just tried to figure it out. I'm, if I just would have had somebody say, well, let's look outside your state. I mean, I knew that was an option, but I'm like, that sounds scary, fear. Yes. I'm not going to do that. But then you start hearing, you read David Green's book about investing out of state. You all these, and I'm like, okay, this starts to make sense. So eventually I got there. But if somebody was like, hey, oh, you want to invest? 
where do you live? Utah. Yeah, let's not do Utah. Let's go to the Midwest mm-hmm. or wherever. Would have shaved off a year and a half of my life or of the process. Yeah. So, but especially yeah, I, now with technology. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes it easier than ever. And if there's one thing I feel like that has, be- we've all benefited from this pandemic is virtual everything. Now, I hate virtual everything and some things, but for yeah. the fact that now, if you are trying to buy out of state, it's not too much to ask anymore to have your contractor do a virtual walkthrough, yeah. send you a video. It's not yeah. too much to ask your real estate agent to do that. It's not too much to ask anyone now to go be your boots on the ground virtually because that's life now. So yeah. I feel like that has really, that's really helped people that want to invest out of state get over that. Well, I'm asking too much of someone. No one's going to want to do that for me. Like, how am I going to ever see this or that of my house? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and one thing that I learned early on when, because I, I haven't seen any of the properties that I own in Ohio and I tell people that and they're just like, are you crazy? Like, that's just crazy. And, and I'm like, well, Let's think about this. Actually, I'm not the professional. My contractor is and the home inspector is the professional. Those are the guys that need to see it, not me. I don't know. I just know the numbers to the deal. Right. I don't know, I don't know if the plumbing's bad. I mean, I I get I have an idea, but what my point is is I need the professionals to see it. I need their opinion, and that's when I make my decisions. It doesn't really do me any good other than like a comfort thing to go see the property. I need the professionals in there to see it. And then they can send me mm-hmm. all the pictures, all the videos, everything. My home inspector sends me like a 75 page report. Like I've basically seen the property once I've done that. Um, so yeah, you just have to get over that fear and there's ways to do it now with, with technology, obviously. And, and coaching is, is huge because they can just hold your hand and help you take that jump. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's, yep. Totally. So when it comes, what other what other obstacles? So fear is a big one. What are the obstacles are new investors bumping up against when they try to get started? Um, getting out of their comfort zone to do new things. Um, some of my students have been too scared to call on the phone and talk to real estate agents. They're afraid to network with. They're afraid to network and join an investor group. Um, I mean, these are things and industries that they're not familiar with. So, you know, they're they're. They can't get out of their comfort zone. They're too scared to do it. And again, it's like all back to fear because if you didn't have fear, you're, it's limitless, yeah. you know, you, your ability. So getting out of their comfort zone to make phone calls and, you know, network with real estate agents and call and interview property management companies. And those things have been scary. Yeah. But once they do it, they realize it's not so bad after all. Yeah. That's a good quote. Without fear, you're limitless. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so as they, as, they, as they get started and they, you know, maybe they picked up their first, you know, property or two, do you ever, do you see them get stuck or lose momentum or what are some, what are some things that they kind of run into after, uh, after they've kind of been started a little bit? Or maybe they um, have it and they've got it and everything is good. I don't know. But what do you see? Yeah, I mean, not everyone is, you know, jumping out the gate, you know, buying everything up in town. But um, the ones that aren't, um, you know, why? I would just have to say a lot of it usually it comes down to money and finances. Um, a lot of them, you know, really hasn't been a lot. So just maybe one or two. Um 
have, were unprepared with the cost that is involved with a rental property. Um, and I would advise that maybe you need a little bit more saved up before you take on that risk. I mean, it's all risk, you know, no matter what. There's tons mm-hmm. of benefits and it's not really very risky, but I'm, like I said, I'm very risk adverse. So yeah. I think finances and money really holds people down. Some people want to use a solo 401k and then they realize maybe that's not a good idea after they talk to, you know, they don't want to do that or they can't take as much as they thought. So they have to find other financing ways. That usually seems to be the hurdle that kind of stops people in their tracks. And it's like, okay, well now, you know, let's reevaluate and let's see what other options there are. You know, if people are having a hard time with financing, then it's down, you know, seller finance, it could be an option, borrowing from a family member and getting a gift letter. And so there's other things, but that's usually the, uh-oh, you know, maybe I'm in over my head and I need to save more. Yeah. Well, and you're a perfect example of of not letting that get in the way. I mean, I don't know how many little things you had to sell on Etsy to raise your a lot. down payment. <laughs> But I'm impressed. Like that just that just smokes everybody that comes to us and says, "Well, I don't have any. Like, how do I get started in real estate? I don't have any money." Well, there's there's a lot of ways to make money. There's a lot of side hustles. There's a lot. I mean, you can flip sneakers on Amazon for heaven's sakes. I just talked to a guy that was doing that. One of my good friends um, uh, from California. He flipped couches. He would buy a couch, clean it. And sell it for like three or four times what he paid for it. And he wow. did that for a long time until he had the money to start his, his portfolio. Now he's like on flip number 12 or, well, he usually he usually re- rehabs them and then sells them as a turnkey property. So he makes, like a he turnkey? makes great mm-hmm. money. And, and while, he yeah. holds, he, right, while, while he holds it, he's cash flowing. So the, he covers yeah. his holding costs. It's just ridiculous. So the, I don't have any money thing is, uh, there's that. Right. I had a friend, I had a friend who would go to thrift stores, my friend, Crystal, she would go to thrift stores and she would look for vintage clothes or designer clothes that people had given away. And she started an eBay shop selling vintage designer clothing that she bought for dollars Mm -hmm. at the thrift store. And she would just scour all the thrift stores in SoCal and, (laughs) and she would, she means She's never worked for someone in her life. Now she does that full time. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, anybody out there that says that they don't have money, they can't, you know, for whatever, they want to get into real estate, but they don't have the cash to do it. Like then they'll figure out a way to go get the cash. There are so many ways to make it. Figure it out. There's so many, so many side hustles you could do. I mean, everyone has a skill. Everyone has something that they can sell. You know, it might not be like for me, I liked crafts, but I'm I can't draw to save my life. I'm not creative. And if you look at my house, it is not decorated well because I am not that designer. I'm not the designer wife, let me tell yeah. you that. Yeah. I like I need to hire someone for that. So my mm-hmm. I, I like to like glue and stuff like that and things to put the glitter, but I, it never looks good, you know? So mm-hmm. I bought uh, one of those crickets or like the silhouette, you know, like those die cutting machines. And I made things that I could design on a computer and cut them out. You know, like people make t-shirts or they make cups. I make bridesmaid hangers and things like that. Things that like, I could use a machine to help me accomplish the task because <laughs> I couldn't do that thing myself, you know? So it's like, what do you like? What's your hobby? Turn it into something you can sell on the side. Yeah. So what... um What's the future? Like, where do you see your, yourself going now? What's, I, I look, sounds like you're focusing a lot on coaching. You're still going to pick up some properties in 2021, but what are some goals? Where are you, where are you trying to get to, or what's your focus now? 
Well, you know, I feel like as I grow up, my wants and needs are ever-changing. And my husband likes to remind me, you know, Casey, you should just want to be a stay-at-home mom and own your own house. And I'm like, oh, yeah, huh, I did (laughs) that. (laughs) Okay, now what else do I want? You know, some women are never satisfied. They're always wanting the next best thing. So I was like, all right, well, I've kind of accomplished that goal, so what's next? I used to say I wanted to own every street on the block like Monopoly. I want to own 100 houses. Yeah. And, and so that was, I'd always said that. And then I'm like, well, you know, it really isn't the quantity of houses. It's the cash flow that matters. Because if I owned 100 houses that gave me $100, that wouldn't be very good. So I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of properties just to say I have so many properties. For me, it's quality over quantity. And so my goal now is to make $100,000 a year in passive income from rental properties. So that's our next goal. And I feel like if we can do that, we can live a pretty decent life. My husband doesn't have to work if he doesn't want to. Obviously, you know, I'm not out buying a Tahoe and, you know, I don't have a lake house and a beach house and all that off that. But that is a sense of financial independence, not having to rely on an employer, not having to rely on any pension, which they don't even give those out anymore, not relying on social security, and not relying on any old past savings that you've saved in your from your day job and put in a 401k or an IRA or something like that. Like I like to have a lot of money and I like to forget about it. And so my next my I feel like my next goal is to have $100,000 in passive income a year. Awesome. So and three you- rental properties would be ideal and when they're paid off then that'll be even easier. So I don't need a hundred houses. I just need a hundred thousand dollars. That's my, my, my next thing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. I love how you're clear on why and where you're going. And you touched, my next question is just that it's like, it's what is your why? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Why are you fighting for these real estate properties, you know, and the coaching and everything? What, what is your ultimate why? I guess it really is the drive for success. My dad always taught me to go against the grain, be somebody different, be somebody better. The sky's the limit. You know, my dad, I was all into that mindset stuff, you know, that I call mindset stuff. Before I even knew any of these things, my sister has been the one lately teaching me all about mindset and scarcity and abundance and uh, limiting beliefs. And it's really opened my eyes to possibilities. And it's like, I remember, it's like, she's saying that. And I'm, I'm remembering now dad saying those things when I was little. He didn't yeah. use those words though, but he knew about it. You know, he had read all the books, um, those old books a long time ago. As a man thinketh, I think comes to mind. And I forget what that one's about now. It's a little book, stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, now that I have these, now that I have this new mindset that anything is achievable, as long as you... In my opinion, you still need to work hard. You need to make it your number one focus. You need to show up and, you know, work hard. You will achieve it. So I want to make the $100,000 passive income. I want it to come through rental properties. I want to help other people with the same thing that I'm doing so that they don't have to rely on their nursing job. They don't have to rely on their teaching job. And they can feel a sense of security that, you know, they don't have to work until they die and just yeah. live off, you know, a savings of X amount of dollars that they have in their 401k. Yeah. You said my goals. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And you said something early on that. So something about you don't have to quit your job to get into real estate. And um, right. that's funny because if you, if you spend any time on Instagram, everybody's like, 
oh, you know, start wholesaling and quit your nine to five. And I'm just, so <laughs> I know. I, I think you said that for a reason. Like what? Wholesaling is a nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I thank you. That's a very good point. I always chuckle when I hear that. I'm like, that sounds like a grind. Like, let's be Me honest. Too. But, but yeah. So, so <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. So tell us more about why you said that you don't have to quit your job. Why? I know there has to be a reason that you kind of mentioned it that way. Because people are looking, people people are inherently lazy. It's just a fact. People want to get rich quick and they don't want to do any work. I'll tell you, once you buy rental properties, it isn't a lot of work. I will give everybody that. And that is one thing that I love to say is most weeks I spend zero hours managing my rental properties. And it's true. I haven't talked to a tenant this whole month of January. Yeah. So to me, that's the lazy part, the best part. But you don't have to quit your job and you shouldn't focus on quitting your job because your job is going to qualify you for those properties. Yeah. You know, if you're looking to get rich quick and you're looking to what's the first thing you can do to quit your job? Well, I can tell you, it isn't going to be real estate. <laughs> it isn't going to be that. It's a long game. Real yeah. estate investing is a long game. And if you want to say you're a flipper and a wholesaler, to me, I, I really wouldn't call that investing because you're you're trading time for money. It's a full time, you know, full time, but it's a job to flip. It creates immediate cash flow. But you're not investing your money in something and watching it grow. You're just using it as money needed to fix something and resell it, just like you said, your friend flips couches. Yeah, That's you like just, you just offended a bunch of people right there, but I think you're spot on. I know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm good at that. Where's my foot? Let me stick it in my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's but I, I, I haven't I know everyone's looked at it that way, but you're right. I mean, it's the true the true definition of investing i i think that you're right um, uh, on the wholesaling and the flipping things i yeah, it's save it you know to me saving your own money and putting into something and watching it grow and reaping the rewards passive income all of that uh, is investing you know um i mean i want to flip we've we've considered flipping and dang is today not the best day to flip oh my gosh interest rates are low demand is soaring you could buy a house and not even fix it up and reflip and resell it, you know, and make money right now. So I am all about flipping. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, and wholesaling, no thanks. That's definitely sounds like a lot of work for me. I've got three kids, and that's not my jam. Yeah. No, I think it. I I, I love this conversation because it's not being had um, on other platforms, you know, on Instagram in general. Everybody's yeah, quit your nine to five and go sit on a beach somewhere, which I don't think. That's why I like to ask the why question. Nobody ever says, well, because I just want to sit on a beach and not do anything. Like everybody has something a little bit bigger and, you know, just having some impact on the world after they maybe don't have to just spend their nine to five every day. You know, like everybody has a right. bigger picture than that, which is good. And I, I, mean, think- I want to make the biggest impact I can. I want to be the biggest success that I can while I'm here. I want to show my kids that you can do anything. And it's like, well, will I send them to college? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I thank wow. you. When you figure that answer out, let me know because I'm in that process right oh, now. No. I'm like, do I? Yeah. Maybe yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I wonder. Um, we should debate that one day. Uh, but um, yes, that would be a good, that would be a good one. Yeah. One, one thing I do love about real estate and, and this is why I want to teach it to my kids. I want my kids to go get a job or a career because they love that certain thing, not because of the money, right? And and what I mean is like, if my daughter wants to be a, a doctor, 
because she loves help and she loves helping people and she wants to save lives. Perfect. But I know people that go into the medical field because they know it's a well-paying job or dentistry or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a bad reason like that. They're not going to be very, they're going to be, I don't want to offend anybody, but they're not going to love it. And they're not going to be very good at what they're doing. I would rather my daughter say, you know what? I want to be a photographer for National Geographic and travel the world. I might only make whatever, 40, 50 grand initially, especially probably less until she's recognized. So what I'm thinking is we'll invest in real estate. We'll get you some real estate going. That'll cover your bills. Then go do your thing. And you're not worried about yeah. The the income. I, there's so many people that are stuck in a job they don't like that's not fulfilling because they need the income. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of the income with real estate and then go do whatever it is you want to to right. get, what do they what do they say you you're supposed to they say you're supposed to uh, um live or work to live, not live to work or yeah. did I say that backwards? No, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't live to work, work to live. Don't live to work. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, that's how I feel about, you know, mindset, limiting beliefs, all those things is really, you can take any passion and it can make money for you, but it does require a sense of entrepreneurship and the identity that is required for being self-motivated and taking action on your own and not, not waiting for someone to give you instruction and tell you what to do. It's definitely a lonely place, um, can be a lonely place when you're trying to start from nothing, especially in something you like to do. Um, it's funny, you mentioned um, what you would teach your kid, you know, what, what you would want your kids to do and all that, what they would want to do. When I was younger, when I was a little girl, I used to want to be a teacher. But living in California, even though teachers make good money there, it's not enough. I mean, teachers would make 60 grand, 80 if you were tenured and had a master's. Like, that's not enough in California to make 60 or $80,000, you know, at the height of your career. I mean, maybe 110 if you're an admin or something. So that's okay. Yeah. But it's like, it's not enough. So I didn't want to do it. I don't want to be a teacher because I didn't make any money. It's like, what am I doing now? And what do I love? I'm teaching people like how to do rental properties. I'm, I'm bringing my passion and my longtime dream of a child of being a teacher and I'm putting them together and I'm figuring it out a way to help people make an impact in the world and make money and feel successful and have a sense of self-worth. It's like, that's the best, that's the best feeling really. Yeah, I love that. That's a perfect example. I mean, how many how many people do just that? They say, I'm gifted, I have a talent and a love to teach kids, but I can't raise my family on that income. So I'm going to go do whatever, right? Financial analysis or something. I don't know, like whatever it is that they're not passionate about. And that sounds boring. So good example. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, but like they're doing something that's not their gift and it's not their purpose and it's not something they're passionate about because they just need the income. And that I do not, when I ask my kids what they want to be when they grow up, obviously right now it's easy because they don't even wrap their head around money, but eventually they'll probably start, well, you know, maybe if I want this income, then I have to be this, even though I want to be a firefighter, I better go be a dentist because I want the income and that I don't want them to make the decision based on that. I want them to say, well, I, my, right now I've got X income from properties that my dad helped me get. Right. And so I can go do whatever I want that. Yeah. 
that if everybody in the world could do what they were good at and what they were passionate about, the world would be a better place. I guess I want my, I want my kids, Mike, I don't know how old your kids are. How old are you? How old are your kids? So we have an eight year old, six, four and two. Oh my God. So I have a nine, seven and three. So our kids are like the same age. Yeah. So I want to teach my kids don't, I want to teach my kids to find something to where money works for you. You know, you want the money to work for you and to create you money, just like rental properties does. Um, just like there's so many other things that can make passive income. So have your money work for you and don't go work for every dollar. To, to try and think of something, you know, whether it's invent something or which I never want. I always want, what can I invent? You know, nothing really. <laughs> um, or sell, you know, people are selling on Amazon and which is hard to get into. But once you do it and you're a top seller, you know, you're selling items while you sleep. You're not working hard for every single sale. So it's like, you got to think along those lines instead of, well, if I work eight hours, I'll make this amount of money. To me, that's not what I want to teach them. I don't want to teach them to work for every dollar, you know, Mm -hmm. for your time. You need to have money work for you with time, not a factor. Yeah, I love that. Otherwise, it just turns into a hamster wheel and they just... Yeah. Well, then life's not fun, you know? Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So um, this has been an awesome conversation. I don't think I've talked to anybody about those specific <laughs> topics about kids and things like that. that this has been great. Um, so what, um, when you are training people or you're, you're coaching people along, what is a common characteristic that you see with the people that succeed? We've kind of talked about fear being the limiting thing, what's, I guess, maybe just the opposite, but what's the characteristic that you're seeing those that succeed and, and, and do well? The people that succeed, they, they listen and they do what I say. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They follow the steps and yeah. they follow the steps that I've outlined and they do the work. I give homework every week of the first six weeks during all the modules that we talk about them. And, you know, in calls, because I want to make sure that they understand everything about the process and they're not uh, not understanding a crucial part of the rental buying process. So they follow the steps and they just go do it. You just get over your fear. You go, well, shoot, I paid money to be in this program. And my outcome is I want to be, I want a rental property. So if I do what she says and she's saying I can do it, and if I do it, then I'll get my property. I'm going to do it. So the people that are doing it are taking action. They're picking up the phone. They're calling the real estate agent. They're making offers and they're just doing it, just taking action. Action. I love that. That's the one thing we can control. Yeah. And and it sounds like those that just trust the process, like some of us get, especially early on, we say, yeah, this maybe, maybe it's not going to work because we don't see instant results. Man, maybe it won't work. I'll get, they'll get distracted with the next other, you know, wholesaling or whatever it is, you know? Um, so yeah, trusting the process and just trusting you and getting Yeah, they're being positive. They're having, um, they are looking for ways for it to work, not looking for ways for it not to work. And to me, I feel like that is so important in every part of life, whether it's real estate investing or, I mean, anything. If you're looking for ways for things not to work in your life, they won't work in your life. If you're looking for if you're looking for the ways that it will work and you focus on the ways that it will work, then it will work for you. I love that. Thank you. That's perfect. 
that, that, that needs to co- go on the quote wall somewhere. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so the, another question I always ask is, what is your favorite book or a book that's really had a powerful impact on your life? And I, I want that answer, but I also want to maybe ask, what books are you recommending to your students? Maybe maybe there's some you know additional reading that you kind of ask or require of them. So, so I'll, I'll make it a two-part question. Sure. Honestly, as far as what I recommend, um, I really don't recommend them reading any books because I cover everything in my program. That's all. They don't need to go read another real estate book. Again, this is for yeah. rental properties. If they want to learn about creative financing and they want to learn about, you know, I mean, we do talk about creative financing. There's a big section on that. Yeah. But if that's your sole method and you have zero dollars, don't come to me. <laughs> that's all, it's all about that. Yeah. Um, so, but I do tell them, you know, you have to have positive mind. You have to want things to work for you. And where I don't require any additional reading other than going through the material that I give them, um, it is kind of required that you are going to take steps and you are going to try this, right? You, I mean, I'm not going to spend my time with you even though you're paying me to watch you fail, like that's no fun, you know, like let's get some results here, you know? So they have to be willing. And sometimes that takes a mindset. So if they need podcasts and, you know, self-help stuff to get through it, then they can definitely do that. And as for my favorite book, I will not, I'm not going to lie and say I read a bunch of books. I don't, I don't read a bunch of books. Matter of fact, I just got this one here, this, uh, this one that the famous here, Brandon Turner book, mm-hmm. Rental Property Investing. I won it on Instagram. I've, I've read some of it, but it's still brand new. Yeah. Okay. So I have bought, sorry for the sound. I have bought the books that everyone's reading because I know I need to read them because, um, you know, I want to know what everyone else is reading. Yeah. So um, that's on my to-do list. But as for books that now I, I have started reading, I've started reading more of the mindset self help, if you want to call it, yeah. books. And oh, what is my favorite book? I have it written down here somewhere. Someone else asked me that recently. Now I wrote it down. Shoot. Put you on the spot. Napoleon Hill. What's that? The number, What's his book? Napoleon Hill, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Nope. No? Not that one. Hmm. I might have it on my show. Um, sure. Thinking grow rich. Yeah. Thinking grow rich. That's it. That's the one. So I had to come to me. I was put on the spot and I could it wasn't coming to me. Yeah. Think and grow rich. Perfect. Man. And I I can't I haven't even finished that book. I've read probably three quarters of the way through it in paperback and at night under my covers on my cell phone. (laughs) I've started over because I I kind of lost where I was at in the real book. I've started over. But that to me is so powerful. I feel like People have a constant struggle in their life to overcome negativity, self-doubt, the push to move forward and be a better person, take action, not let your past life dictate your future. You know, it needs constant reminding. It's not like you can just read a book or listen to some guy's podcast or whatever, and then you're cured. (laughs) Now you no longer tell yourself negative thoughts, and now you've got all this wisdom, and you're just going to live by the universe. I mean, it doesn't really work that way. It takes that every day for me anyways, constant reminders. And I need to read that stuff all the time to remember, because it's hard. Their old habits bring you down yeah. and your old habits keep you in the grind. And you have to read, in my opinion, those sorts of mind books 
to get out of the fog and see yourself as a higher sort of being able yeah. to do anything. No, that's a you're, might be too much yeah, for some people, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's you're exactly right. Like, um, you have to continually consume that type of content for it to change you, right? I mean, you can you can read a book and then it'll it'll shift you for a week or a month or whatever, and but your mind will naturally drift back to its comfort zone, um, or or to its its old comfortable habits of thinking because thinking positively and thinking big and, you know, believing in that, that, you know, believing in that you can do things that is not natural for our minds because that's not a safe place for our minds. And so our mind's always going to get back to where it's comfortable. And so that, and you said it, like you have to continually consume that type of content. You can't just, it's not just one podcast it's a podcast on a regular basis and just continue right. mind your mind that you, this is where you want to take it. This is where you, this is how you want to think. And otherwise you'll always revert back to that. that I mean, any little negative thing. I mean, honestly, I almost, but it's, I've, I'm, in, I'm a negative person by heart. It's really, I'm not always a positive. I've always got something sharp to say and makes people yeah. mad. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I look for the ways to annoy people. I, I do ask my friends, <laughs> but I'm so lucky I still have. <laughs> yeah. But like my daughter got a bad grade on a test and it's the first week we've sent her, well, not the first week, it's been a couple of weeks, but we sent her back to real school. Uh, last semester we did virtual school. Mm-hmm. And she's normally an A student. And I was like, that's it. Uh, my positivity went out the window. And I was like, <sighs> you know, I started getting upset. And it's like, no, no can't be upset. It doesn't help you at all. So it's constant, constant reminders I need. <laughs> well, that we, yeah. So that's the other thing, like not only does our mind want to drift back to that comfortable place, but the, our, our environment, the world and people in general are, are, we have that influence that's pushing us back to that negative mindset, that small thinking, the scarcity mindset, you know, and that's the more that's that's where the most the most prevalent influences are trying to push our minds and our thinking. And so you have to consume the right content, a healthy diet of it to keep stay sharp and to keep your mind where it needs to be in, in a positive mindset. So that's huge because it doesn't take much. One little thing. you're no. like, yeah, you know. That's right. <laughs> and then it affects other people. I mean, yeah. a negative outlook and a negative vibe is just as contagious as a positive vibe. You know, so I, I I would see my negativity in the household reflect in my husband and my kids. So how about now I say, forget that. Time to change. Positive. Let's let's be positive and let that reflect back on them. And now they're being positive because I'm being positive. It's contagious. So yeah. why would I ever choose negativity? Yeah. Why? I should choose positivity. I love that. That's perfect. I don't know. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, this has been some great content. Uh, we've went some. We've covered some topics that I don't usually cover. The uh, which has been great. So um, I appreciate that. What? Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you? I know you mentioned Instagram. Uh, where else do you want want them to look? 
Sure. So my number one place I'm at is Instagram at Brick by Brick Wealth. I also have a website, brickbybrickwealth.com. And uh, so you can go there if you want to check out what my programs are. And if you're on Instagram, please DM me. I respond to all my DMs and I really do try and welcome everybody that uh, follows me. So you may get a personal welcome message from me. I do my best. Um, but I, I will answer your, your call. You know, if you message me and you need help with a rental property or you're looking for some free advice, I will help you the best of my ability over Instagram. And then if you're interested in, you know, really diving deep and taking action, I've got my program for you at the ready. Although it's not available now, there's a wait list, but <laughs> coming soon, it'll be, it'll be open. Good. So, um, but yes, brick by brick wealth, you know, on all the things I even have a YouTube, but I don't do a lot of videos cause I'm just not a video person, but I'm trying. <laughs> but you can sew and sell stuff on Etsy. That's right. I can. Behind the curtain. I don't have to show my face. I'm getting better. See, that was one of my limiting beliefs. I don't want to be out there. I don't want to do videos. I don't want to show my face. I don't want to talk to people. Let me hide behind the curtain and the, and the computer screen. You know, so, but what, when you get over it, you realize, you know, how much more you can accomplish when you overcome your fears. So yeah. that's what I tried to do. And, and then you inspire others too. And I appreciate you. I think you've done that tonight for us. I thank you so much. Um, any final thoughts for our listeners before we sign off? My final thought would be just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. Just take action. So what if you're not ready to buy a rental property? So what if you're not ready to do this or that? Were you ready to propose to your wife? Were you ready to you know, have your first baby. Uh-oh, was that a surprise? Like no one's ever ready for anything. So just do it. The, oppor- the missed opportunity is not worth it. Just take action. Just do it. You won't regret it. There's no such thing as failure. It's all just a learning experience to make you better. I love that. Thank you so much, Casey. We'll, let's definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Money Maven Project Podcast. A true maven shares knowledge with others. So be sure to share this podcast and leave a review. Thanks so much. And until next time, live life with intention.